One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. I've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just un- like the feeling. I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling. Like you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get was a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Cade Moyer, and you are listening to the Believe Paranormal and UFO Podcast. If you have had an encounter and would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen and head on over to our website, believepod.com, and consider becoming a member to get bonus episodes and video content. Hello and welcome back to the Believe Podcast. Tonight we are doing a very special uh, live edition of a, I guess, an official podcast episode. And uh, tonight I will be talking about the Dogman, essentially Dogman Down Under. Uh, Dogman is one of these fascinating elements of the cryptid world that has always piqued my interest. And especially over the last couple of years, I've been finding that more and more people have been contacting me uh, in regards to having Dogman encounters, uh, seeing Dogman or believing that there is kind of like Dogman activity going on wherever they live. And the best person in Australia, I think, to, to kind of be... Not, not to say an, an authority, uh, but maybe someone who has more of that type of, uh, I guess, a collection of records, um, is Dean Harrison from Australian Yowie Research. And tonight I am joined by Dean, very good friend of the show. So, Dean, welcome back to the podcast, my friend. Uh, okay, and everybody? It is excellent to have you here, mate. So, um, essentially, tonight we're, we're going to kind of talk about how Dogman has kind of ingrained itself into, I guess, Australian um, crypto culture. And I'm going to trademark that word because that's a, that's a pretty good word. <laughs> well, you know, is, is it is it uh, a case of jumping on the coattails of American hype or is it a case of an Australian Dogman per se or is it just mistaken identity? Yeah, and that's a that's a really good point because like Australia hasn't got a huge, um, I guess, collection of animals that are bipedal um, that are in the Australian bush. You know, we've got kangaroos, we've got emus, and we've got yowies. Right, and uh, you know the, the dog man phenomena uh, used in that term 
really hasn't been used uh, is much in, in, the, in, the, in the olden days, but it's, it's, as I said before, it's, it's more in, in today's society and, and with that American sort of terminology of dog man. And uh, I know it sort of came from the UK and there's been a lot of reports uh, from Europe. In fact, some of the first reports were 2,500 BC from, uh, from uh, Persia and Iraq and those sorts of areas. Um, but more in more recent times, you've got America, say, uh, in the 1500s around Michigan, as most people know, Lake Michigan, uh, and that's where it sort of started the culture for America. But for the UK and, uh, say, Ireland, it was prior to then, uh, and they did have wolves. Now, the, their wolves, you know, in the UK and uh, and uh, in Ireland, they led, they had the same demise as the uh, the thylacine, the Tasmanian tiger. They were just hunted to distinction. Oh, really? Yeah, because, I mean, it's the same deal. I mean, the thylacine in Tasmania... Uh, they were attributed to killing all the sheep uh, that the colonials brought out, and they really were. I mean, they are doing some massive damage out there in, in the farms, so you know, they are offered X amount of dollars per pulse, and uh, people did very well of it, out of it, uh, but the thylacine didn't. So basically, it was in the, the 1500s that the UK shot their last wolf, and the 1700s that the, uh, that the Irish did. So they haven't had any since those days. That's rather interesting because, like, the the English folklore is so rich with kind of like the, the werewolf mythology. And it, it really does continue through to even kind of today because, like, England and, and essentially Europe as a, like as a whole is really rich in that kind of um, werewolf-type folklore. And it even continues on to today where, like, people are constantly saying, I'm seeing... I'm seeing werewolves, I'm seeing, you know, dog man, I'm seeing this kind of huge creature that doesn't make sense. And, you know, in in the world of, like, Bigfoot, like, how hard is it for people to go, well, yeah, Bigfoot exists, but, like, a dog man? Like, a, a bipedal humanoid creature that has got a, a canine head. Right. So, I mean, and, and making things more difficult again is where I'm saying that, you know, it, the, the tide of popularity seems to turn with all these sorts of things, and uh, there seems to be a bit of a follow, a cult following uh, in, in all this mythology. So now we've got the dynamic in the UK and Ireland, where you've got the the Irish Bigfoot hunters, and you've got the UK Bigfoot hunters, because now they've got Bigfoot sightings in the UK and Ireland. Believe it or not, how that works, I don't know. It's it's a very very small area for all of this to exist like the the fact that the there's and, and and not to say that i don't believe that there's bigfoot happening over in the uk but it is such a heavily populated small part of the world it is it's difficult to kind of fathom that a, a, a creature like the bigfoot would exist there and then potentially also exist coexisting in whatever small vicinity that they would have to i don't know let's say live have like where their habitat would be to to share that like with a dog man type creature right so i mean you're looking at a population how many x times amount of what australia has and you know the, the uk is about the size of victoria and they don't have the vast wilderness and the great dividing range and all that sort of jazz uh, for for these things to exist and thrive like we do. Um, and America is the same. They basically got the same amount of territory and uh, 300 mil- 320 million 
people. Um, so, yeah, so it's a real strange one, but it's the fact that they followed that path uh, as where the Americans have followed the werewolf path and Australia's only really just getting into that sort of niche now, labelling things as, um, well, I guess you say werewolf, because I, I really truly believe that the whole werewolf and dogman thing, I think they, they're intertwined. I think there's mistaken, mistaken identity there. But particularly in America, I think that, uh, well, particularly in Australia, that uh, this mistaken identity between the two as well. Yeah, absolutely. And the the whole, um, I think, popular culture plays a massive, massive role in the in the dogman kind of phenomena. Um, you, you know, especially like an American Werewolf in Paris and things like that. Movies like that that kind of came out. And I'm I'm absolutely going on the record that I am absolutely not a history buff when it comes to you know dogman record keeping but i would almost guarantee that you would see a spike of dogman encounters well the thing is with all the american tv that. shows that are going on all, all these reality tv shows and you know the, the finding bigfoot and hunting bigfoot and all the rest of whatever uh you know it's starting to a lot of american television gets ingrained into australian society we know this um, but I remember when I was a, a kid during the 70s, uh, my biggest fear was werewolves and vampires. You know? and, I, and I didn't really know much about them. I didn't know about the validity of them, but I knew that this was not a time to take a chance. We need to get that garlic on the windowsill now. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't quite find a, a silver board. I went through the, yep. the, the the silverware drawer, the top drawer, you know the one. Yeah, ma- melted spoons down the spoons. And all that sort of thing. Um, and that they really just scared the heck out of me. Um, so I, mean, I, I did all that sort of thing. And I think when American Wealth in London came out in 1991, that didn't help. What about you? Did you have anything that you were scared of as a kid? Uh, for me, and, and this is rather odd, but it, I had a... Even even to this day, like I have not an irrational fear, but there's like just something about the the visual element of a grey alien. To me, it just it's just such an unsettling image, and it just never sits well with me. And I don't know why that is. Um, I I'm not going to go down like a, a rabbit hole of oh maybe you've had an experience with one because I absolutely do not think that's the case, um, but yeah just that that kind of image of it was always uh, rather like off putting to me. I even remember uh, way way back in the day. Do you do you know the like the satire cartoon um, South Park? Yeah, I remember watching one of those episodes, and even in that they had like little grey aliens, and I even even that I felt like oh. So you doesn't doesn't sit well with me. You you're not afraid of being the undead then. No. Right. No. No, not at all. Not at all. Like the 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 whole like the whole I guess biting on the neck and being ripped apart. Yeah, no, that that that's fine. That's, that's, well with that's totally fine. Like for me that would almost be like just a process of life. If you found yourself in that situation, that's that's your time. Yeah. But the 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 communion type of book cover, uh yeah. Never, never really sat well with me, and uh, who knows what that is? You know, maybe there's like some deeper meaning, but for me, I'll never look into it. <laughs> I, I think I went through that stage as well with the with the aliens, and I think again, you know, as as a child, you're often um, influenced by what you see on television. Of course, you are. And I remember back in the days of amateur horror uh, when that came out. That's probably one of the scariest movies in history at the time. And uh, I think there was a babysitter that was left home with a couple of kids one night. This is in America, of course, and uh, I think she, um, she, 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 she died. No, she, she, she went insane, or, or she 
killed herself or something. Something really strange happened that night. But you know, that's what I'm saying. That you know, those sorts of movies. I don't think it's very uh, good for for young kids. And I know that you know, when my my daughter was young, I, I wouldn't allow it. Yeah, I think uh, movie ratings have tremendously changed in the last ten years, twenty years. Because I know the movies that I was watching when I was, uh, you know, ten years old, completely not appropriate. The, and they have a look at what's out now, though. Yeah, yeah. All the but, blood and violence uh, and stuff. Uh, yeah, well, those those are kind of subgenres, you know, like that whole gore porn type of movies. Like, yeah, you've got those movies where people are basically just get pulled to bits and it's just blood everywhere, and that's kind of what that movie is about. But the I feel like those horror movies of back yesteryear were completely different. They didn't have the, you know, the VFX or the, the I guess, that pure just carnage of what that we do today so things were scarier and that's probably why they do leave those types of imprints on like individuals like you and me right well i think uh in tonight's show now my i think what i'd like to do is basically put it out there uh as far as uh just some reasoning some balance behind where we've come as far as the, the history of something that's very similar to the yowie um, that's been reported since the 1800s that could be mistaken. Uh, and also, I'd like to put it out to the audience to know what they think, whether the audience thinks we have an Indigenous uh, dogman with, within Australia. I mean, what do you think, audience? Do you think we have a dogman? Or do you think it might be mistaken identity? I like that. Be sure to leave your 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 comments in um, wherever you may be watching this because we are actually broadcasting this. So if you're listening to the audio version of this, um, head on over to um, our YouTube page because you'll find an, uh, a video version of this. Uh, this podcast actually does exist as well. Um, but yeah, please leave it in the comments uh, where you where you sit with uh, with the with the dogman. Do you think it's real? Do you think it's not? Uh, do you think it's something else, or do you think it may be that it's a, a sense of uh, like Dean said, misidentification? Um, but what I'm what I am truly curious about, Dean, is like these things ideas don't really kind of pop out of nowhere and like we've kind of covered the the sense that um you know it could be like a popular culture type of thing where uh what we see on tv definitely influences us um the the whole knock-on effect of dogman being so prolific over in the in the states and over in europe that could also have a a massive knock-on effect to how we would potentially perceive things uh but what what i do find rather fascinating is that you know you do have an extremely large archive of yaoi encounters but not every kind of encounter in there is just dedicated to to the yaoi like there's some that kind of i would say have a little asterisk potentially next to them to go is this something else Right, yeah. So there's sometimes you know there's a fringe element of stepping outside the box. Yes, it's the same, 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 but different. So there'll be an element of it, but the element of this and most of these we can draw the dogman experience into. Right, right. So I am I'm interested because you have brought like a, a couple of little samples of of I guess testimonies or audio and things like that, but also some uh, written records from from your archives. So. Where would you like to start? Do you want to... I'll let you kind of steer that ship there. Sure. Okay, so basically what I'm going to do is a for and against. So I'll lay out a few cases. Uh, I couldn't do them all. I mean, I'm pretty busy, but 
I've got quite a few here and some sound bites. And also we had an interview with Tony Healy, author of Out of the Shadows, The Yowie and The Yowie File. Um, just get get his take on it because, of course, he's been doing that for a long, long time. So we'll do some fours and some against. So let's just go back into history where some of the first reports uh, were mentioned in newspapers, for example, of these creatures that you know step a little bit outside the box and what we could possibly be looking at. So here we've got um, 1906. No, we can go back further than that. Uh, I can do about that. Um, well, let's go back to 1849. This is one of the first. So Philip Island, Victoria, 1859, uh, Melbourne Morning Herald. So this article, this is just a, a synopsis, by the way. So basically everything that you're going to see on these uh, is just a synopsis. They're just a bite of the entire article, but to the pertinent poets, parts. So this article, uh, several people observe a six to seven foot half man, half baboon sitting by the lake. The creature reportedly sprang into the lake when it was shot at. Now, what we're looking at is something that looks like a baboon, but half man, and six to seven feet tall. So, well, we can rule out a baboon to begin with because they're not that tall. Now, what we're saying as far as the baboon's concerned is when you look at a baboon, you are looking at an elongated snout, okay? So you've got a snout that like that could be interpreted as a dog if it dropped to all fours. It could be interpreted, uh, interpreted as a dog man if standing up. Uh, looking side on, etc. Now, if you've never seen a baboon before, but you have seen a dog, uh, that's just it's, that's your closest port of call. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like there, that there, twenty meters away, poorly lit, would be rather easy to kind of misidentify. And if you're in a high stress situation where you think you are seeing something that is out of the normal, um. The, the mind can really kind of trick you in Particularly a sense. at night time and at a distance. Exactly, exactly. So that there, you, I think even people looking on their screens now would would easily confuse that for, you know, some type of some type of a canine creature. Well, you would. I mean, you've got the teeth, you've got the yeah. snout and uh, the, the sunken eyes. Yeah, absolutely. I can see how, why that, that would happen. So from 1849, let's move on to 18... 81, towards closer to the end of the, the century. Uh, Golden uh, Herald, uh, Herald article. Um, the Coomer Express relates that the Gingera Hairy Man has turned up again, or has again turned up. Now, this sentence in itself says something. It says they have a history of it, right? Uh, seen again Saturday last week by Peter Thornburn and two others, first period, uh, first appearance of it was for quite some considerable time, etc. Um, it has an appearance of a monkey or baboon and is somewhat larger than a man. Okay, so you go back to here, you go, all right, this 1849, let's bump it forward by almost 40 years, uh, 30 years, and uh, they're talking about the same sort of thing. It's one state away. And again, you're looking at the same sort of attributes. You're looking at the baboon-type features in the face, but probably standing upright. Now we go to 1889, towards the end of that decade, and in Bundanoon. So it's the same sort of area, and it's happening again, resembling that of a baboon. Large head, 
fully nine feet in height, right? Nine feet tall. It's got a baboon's head. Now, baboon's head, again, what we were looking at before, we were looking at this, that there, or that, etc. So you can see that that could possibly be a dog. Now, if you change the hair on that, uh, which you will have on a yaoi, a lot of people ex- uh, express a dog-like fur on a yaoi, like a real full-on yaoi with the, the ape-like type face. It's got the it's got the dog type fur or the yaoi type fur, but with a baboon sort of nozzle. So you can see how that would fit to a dog man, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the that one that was nine feet tall, nine feet, and, like, the, and the other ones out. were they were, they were seven or eight feet tall. Makes you makes you wonder what like what are they seeing, and you know, does it make you wonder if there's kind of, uh, I guess, different versions or like kind of different species of the Yowie? Like, is, do you think oh, that's there a possibility? Is. Well, there, there, there are definitely without question there are, and like I've said before many times, there whatever was trapped here seven thousand years ago was, was stayed here. They were land trapped. You know, sea rev- levels rose, and whatever was here stayed here. Now through the lineage. There could be, from millions of years, species here and then new species come hundreds of thousands of years ago. But these ones are still here and then these ones are here. So then you've got all those and the sea levels rise and all these are still here. All these relic hominids and hominins are all still here from different stages of time. You understand me? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it, it really is. It's like this big melting pot yeah. of like, different races different yeah. dna's things like that and that's that's when you can kind of find these obscure kind of right. looks from, being from, created. from different times of, of history yeah yeah but they're here um so all right so what have we done so far we've done three i think we've done three or four i think we've done three done three okay so there's so far we've got three for a no as far as i'm concerned that that's a in the three vote uh, so the, the no vote we've got three so far we're going okay all of these are gigantic baboons, uh, anywhere between seven and nine feet tall, standing on two legs. Next, uh, 1891, Bathurst. Okay, so we've gone over the other side, we've gone to the west uh, of the Blue Mountains. This is uh, Matt Hobby. Uh, first of all, what, what happens, the synopsis is that they're out, uh, uh, they're hiking or whatever, and that they found uh, a print of... A man's naked foot. <laughs> a naked foot. Got to, got to love the way the uh, great, the old it? school language worked. I love it. Like when I look through all these archives that we've got there, the way they spoke back in that day, it's it's uh, yeah, it's spectacular. Uh, I looked, and there before me stood an animal of the baboon species uh, on the per- perpendicular cliffs. All right, so. Basically, again, but this time it's over the other side, so we're going to say, okay, well, that's, that's, that's no, there's another one for baboon, and, you know, the same sort of muzzle, etc. Now we're back down to where we were before, and we've got, uh, this is back in Goulburn. Okay, so this one, this one's a little bit different. So now we're, we're going to step it up a gear, and we're going to go bear. So this is Arthur Marin, who was uh, quite, quite well known in the area, um, he was, a, he was a businessman, and he had quite a few people come look at this while he had it there in his warehouse. And uh, they're saying that was six to seven feet tall, but you know, very much like a polar bear in the face. So, well, that doesn't really count either. So they always did not. 
then 1895, Mossvale, supposed bear. Okay, now we've got got two for bear now. Um, So we've got bear. Put down baboon. Bear's got two. Baboon's got four so far. Um, Now, they're just saying it was hairy, etc., etc., and they don't have a height on this one. It's interesting that they are referencing bear here in Australia because obviously uh, for any non-Australian listeners uh, bears are completely not native to Australia no at all I, they don't exist here at all yeah I'm presuming they may have had some in zoos but not everyone would have the opportunity to see them so I'd say probably picture books yeah yeah pretty yeah. much yeah, back in those days so moving on again we are going to this is called uh, a newspaper called The Colonist they're talking about oh this is Mudgy back over the same place as uh, we were before at uh, Pyramal and they've got uh, the same uh, resembling a baboon several people have encountered this animal and uh, and it, it inspires the greatest dread so you know the, the nameless dread we always talk about and that's interesting that it does that because that's what a yaoi does yeah yeah absolutely that's that, not to say it's a that, that feeling definitive that yaoi trait but that, that it's feeling something you can't that's explain there. yeah that, that just this that sudden feeling that comes over you so all right so we've got one more for baboon so we're up to five for baboon now and uh, again we this is what i'm speculating i'm speculating because i'm about 85 percent against the whole um uh, dog man thing because i just think there's too much evidence to say i think they're mistaken for one, one of these so all right 1906 now a baboon terrorises country people. Watch out, people. The Tangalumba tiger is, has at last found its rival and promises to eclipse the doings of that of a renowned beast. Out the Mudry way, the country has been terrorised by the appearance of a strange animal resembling a baboon. It was first seen in the Pyramal District, about 40 miles from Mudgy, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, people have gone out there trying to get it. Okay, so one more for baboon with those attributes that we showed before with the with the muzzle, dog-looking muzzle, and possibly a dog-looking hair because that's what he, how he often has. Six. All right, okay. Well, this one might be for the affirmative then because he actually does mention dog. Appeared to be eight feet tall, three foot broad, black in colour, Covered in hair, um, making noise. Oh, okay. No, he he mentions something like an. Oh, okay. I think he's probably referring to the way it yells or the, the noise it emanates. Gave several unearthly yells, something like of a, a native koala bear, and then made off. But you know, koalas aren't eight foot tall. Um, head of the animal seemed to be shaped of that of a dog. First looked up upright, like a human being two legs uh, 40 yards away okay right so that's Mr. Mr. Clifford there and so he's talking about the dog but is he looking at the the uh, the, the, the baboon looking face yeah it's it's one of those things where again it could be complete misidentification um, and there, there is something rather interesting that I, I do notice within the I guess the collection of 
these encounters that you've kind of selected here is that they are all from like a yes a year, you know, about 100 to 150 years ago nearly. And I wonder if the the way that they're explaining that is because they didn't have the vocabulary for it. Well, or, or perhaps something to align it with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, the you know, like the the gorilla wasn't even found when they were no, talking about no, the, the silverback gorilla wasn't wasn't uh, discovered uh, until about 1920. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're we're almost. I'm not saying like we're comparing like. Um, you know, apples and oranges, but they're, they're potentially. So, draw an analogy. The closest thing that they can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they're they're kind of well. Perfect example is like when people see UFOs and the the first kind of UFO um, encounters that were ever really reported. They look like saucers. So that's how the name flying saucers came around, and it kind of just stuck around forever. Um, but this here is is very similar in that sense. Like, I wonder, baboon. They all knew what a baboon was back then. Um, and that's that's kind of what fitted that mold. And it, it would be it would be so interesting to almost have this time machine and kind of just reevaluate that yeah. that type of encounter now and go, hey, this is what exists now. Would you change how you recategorize? Exactly this? right. And how fascinating. What what a fascinating question. You're right on the money there. Yeah. Knowing what we know now and what we can show you. Would you now change your description or, or your, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because it, it really opens up this, like, massive, massive kettle of fish. And this is why I think it's so important that people like you are doing what you're doing. You know, you're, you're categorizing everything. You're, you're really getting every ounce of information because, you know, the reality is, like, we're, we're dipping our toes into the world of what these cryptids are and, the the fact that record keeping has been going on for you know maybe a hundred two hundred years for yeah this this is it I mean the thing is we don't know everything so documenting everything helps us understand and, and learn uh, about about this subject so much more I mean if we didn't have this documentation we wouldn't know what we know now yeah totally totally and with that type of thing it would be so interesting to to see like what the what the Yowie knowledge is. In 100 years, in 150 years, in 200 years, you know, it, I wonder if that would really shine a light on the, the types of encounters that you've spoken to people about. Well, I know that if it hasn't sort of been solved uh, by then, they'll be looking at our records, the AYR records, because in uh, 2014, the Australian National Library uh, issued a licence to me to relinquish all the AYR files uh, to be preserved forever. So these files will be used for researchers for years, like ten uh, decades or maybe even hundreds of years from now. They will have all these resources at at their hands yeah. to be able to use as where we didn't we had to go dig all these up ourselves, but it's all there online for them. Yeah, it it, it really is quite excellent. And I think it what it goes to show is like if someone has had an encounter with something, like whether they 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 may feel completely ridiculous coming forward to say someone like yourself who you know uh, is why you know potentially an unbeliever a non-believer of you know dogman um but it is still so crucial to kind of get those types of encounters on the record because you just never know that it this could be something this could be something completely different from what we all think it is it could be you know a, just a potentially a different type of yaoi that people are seeing 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, it's make it's absolutely no different to uh, say or c- capturing uh, what we've done for the last well, what we've captured the last two hundred fifty years worth of uh, documentation. Uh, it's, it's no different. You know, we need to document everything, 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 because in years to come, it's going to be useful. It's kind of like my files that I've got. I've got extensive files. They're all categorised behind the scenes, behind the website, and um, the, the the amount of information I have amassed is incredible. It's like 30,000, 40,000 files sitting in there, and they're all categorised. So when something comes up, all I need to do is drop in uh, a particular name and then all these files come up from yesteryear, the last 30 years or what, 20 years or whatever. All these people have written to me about little things. I say, well, I'm not quite sure if this is important or not, but, and now I've got all these coming up and, and I can draw the uh, comparisons to, to locations, uh, size reference, description, all of that. So I can actually build a case on it. So it's just, yeah, it, having files is, I mean, for me, it's really exciting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and uh, it it really does go to show like every every little bit of information is genuinely a piece of, to this bigger puzzle. Yeah, sure is. But my my problem is that I just can't quite keep up with them all at the moment. So if anyone's written to me and I haven't been able to get back to them for a couple of months, well, bear with me. We will get there. Um, like I say, every report is important. So we'll just move on to the, the next one. So we're in nineteen oh six. So we're just. Okay, same year, Singleton Argus. And what have we got here? Looks like we've got a baboon. So years ago, there were tales about Yahoo or Bunyip that used to visit the lonely river reaches and scare some of the ancient inhabitants, or I guess that means Aboriginals, out of their natural existence of time. Now, however, in place of the tiger, the tangle of the tiger, uh, there comes a story from Pembroke. Again, um, same sort of area near Mudgee, Mudgee. Uh, and again, baboon. So you know, we seem to have a pattern happening there in that district. So we've got a pattern sort of like the, the southern tablelands of, uh, not southern tablelands, but um, uh, probably around the Goulburn area, we've got uh, quite a pattern of the baboon. And then on the western side, we're seeing a pattern of the baboon happening there as well. Um, so this, um, this journal, he postulates that now... This may have been a real baboon escape from some menagerie. Uh, it may also be a good, uh, making a bit of a joke. Okay, so, all right, there's another one for baboon. So we're up to, we're up to about seven there. 1909, Richmond River. Now, this comes up again. Now, this is the same guy, right? So this is the same guy from 1906. Uh, his name's William Clifford. Now, three years apart, he has two different encounters. So what's he saying here? And again, okay, this is Tenterfield, so that's a little bit further west. Uh, okay, a strange animal. Uh, so basically it's, it's the same one that, that he saw before, which was pretty much a baboon. Uh, no, this is the head shaped like a dog. Okay, okay, so this is the head shaped like a dog. So this is another dog one that we've got mentioned. But he also said back in the early report in uh, 1906 that it also resembled a bear. So he's got there that, that cross between dog and bear. You know you know what I mean? So there's that there's that, that cross-section of is it or isn't it? Is it more of this or is it more of that? So this is where the confusion sort of kicks in because he's trying to – his mind is trying to process it, what's going on. And the, I think the reason that he's going through this – 
the bear's got a snout, the dog's got a snout. So it's got to be one of those, but it's still standing ten, uh, sorry, nine, nine feet tall on two feet. But it's got to be one or the other because it's got a snout. And that's what, all it's going to come down to is the snout part. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And again, this is one of those things where this kind of gentleman, he'll be trying to fit this into the paradigm that he knows, mm. you know, and, and that's, that's really the case when anyone kind of has these encounters, because, uh, you, you kind of got to try to explain what's happened to you or, you know, what you've experienced before. So you can actually rationalize it. Yeah. Well, that's it. You rationalize it within yourself first yeah. before you can express it to anyone else. So, all right. So we've got, got another one of those, but that sort of falls in that half bear, half baboon sort of category. So, but it, it's still along the same lines as what I'm saying is mistaken identity because he already has mistaken identity because he can't he can't process it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just it's just not falling under category A or category B for him. All right, this is Dungay Creek. This is west of Kempsey. Now, this is a notorious place, a really notorious place for Yowie sightings. Um, a lot of experience out through through those districts, um, a lot of documentation, and there's a lot more that hasn't been documented. Believe me, there's a big story going on out there. Uh, this is the same sort of area where George Gray got attacked uh, in 1965 when he was sleeping in his hut with his son. He's a, a logger uh, working for a logging company at the time. And um, so, yeah, it's got, it's got a massive history, but this one, again, we're going down the bear line, aren't we? So it says it, it looked like it had a muzzle like a bear. Well, first of all, it says it looked more like a bear shape. And uh, it's got a height on this. Yeah, six feet tall. Uh, muzzle like a bear, in my reckoning, is at least six feet tall. It was solid. It had plenty of hair on it. It was fairly upright walking. It had a human shape. The muzzle was more like a bear than a monkey. So, you know, the, the monkey sort of primate sort of muzzle that they have when they, you know, quite often when, when people are... Uh, Describing uh, a yowie, they'll they'll talk about like a, a slightly protruding sort of ape-like muzzle. Uh, but what he's saying, this is different. This is different. This is more like a dog-like muzzle, but it's eight feet tall, six six feet tall in this case, on two legs. So, again, what we said right in the early, early stages, if that was a little bit of a distance, a little bit dim, uh, in a tree line or something like that, um, chances are. It's one of these, and it's not a dog man. It it's it's interesting because <laughs> I can imagine the the listeners to this this episode or this live stream uh, are kind of wondering like where we where we sit in the world of like does this thing exist? And I'm I'm under the impression that people are believing they're seeing something that is like a dog man. Do I know a dog man exists? No. How do they know what a dog man looks like other than it's like a dog like smash now? Well, I guess in our in our day and age it's it's popular culture. So people are seeing something that they think, hey, this this looks like a, a werewolf. That's a dog man. And I, I, I think I could I could probably guarantee you, like, if we pulled up any one of our listeners and kind of just said, Hey, do you know what a dog man is? There would be a, a, a fairly basic understanding of, oh yeah, that's like a werewolf type creature. I can turn I can turn my whole argument around on its ass by saying, "What if what they're looking at is a dog man?" Absolutely, absolutely. Right? It's got a snout, right? Yeah, and it's, it's it's eight feet tall. It has a snout, and they're saying it's kind of like a, a dog, but like a bear. But it could be a dog looking thing, and it could have been here for all all this time. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's what's so important about what 
these records show is that like it, it can really be taken up to interpretation because the, the I guess one of the great things and the worst things when it comes to the the paranormal or the cryptid world is that personal opinion plays such a huge role in perception. So if someone came to you with these types of records, you'd probably have a, a very different understanding of what this person potentially saw. Whereas someone who was far more, say, layman in their in their view of or understanding of the, the paranormal or the cryptid world, they would go, that definitely sounds like a dog man. Right. But I think the important part of a lot of this that we're showing from yesteryear is the fact that it's a primate, it's a baboon that's being reported and they see the resemblance of a baboon, like, again, primate in it more than anything else. And there's no dog, there's no anything. They're talking just talking about a snout, they're talking about a baboon. Um, they're not talking about a bear. They're saying, no, no, it was a baboon, but it was, like, nine feet tall. Yeah, and what is interesting to know is that, like, these people would 1,000% know what a dog looks like. Yes. You know, like, there is no way you would confuse... if. If you saw a, a dog next to a baboon, you would know the difference. And the fact that they are so prominent, like so definitively landing on the on that baboon, uh, I guess they were the de- classification de- definitive it. on it. Uh, you know, they didn't pull any punches. It was a baboon on two legs, but eight feet tall. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a dog. It wasn't a bear. It was a baboon. Yeah, that, and they didn't have any lenience to either way. Most of them. Um, but you know, every now and again, you might get the, the the bear stroke dog. But again, I think they're again. You don't know what distance. Uh, a lot of them don't say what distance it was yeah. that they're looking at this. So, all right, let's move on to the next one. We're getting more up into the, the modern times in a minute. Oh my gosh, look at this! Another bear, Mongonia. So we're still in the same area. Same area is say you know, around the, the Goulburn sort of location ish. Uh, so he's saying it uh, saw a bear when returning from Goulburn. Was crouching down, looked about four feet tall, um, and then the, this woman says that she saw one about two months ago. So you know, quite commonly seen around that area, the good old bears. So all right, there's another one for bear. I find it fascinating that there is genuinely so many bear encounters as well. Oh yeah, well most people wouldn't realise this It's not until you, you do the research on the files When you, you drag all this information up And if you didn't have this information you'd, you, know, you didn't have these files You not have the information But uh, he was saying uh, black fur, big long teeth um, And Bungonia is sort of one of those areas That has a bit of a history with all sorts of strange things So all right, so we'll put that one down as bear, 1964 1978, so we're getting more to the modern times And guess what folks, we've got bear again uh, now this one's down on the southern coast of New South Wales down in Naruma now Naruma, Bateman's Bay and right around there geez that was prolific with uh, Yowie sightings Bega, Mogo um, really hit the headlines uh, particularly in the well probably the, the, right in the early early days but also during the 70s but I, I haven't put any of the Yowie reports in any of this I'm just concentrating on whatever has a snout that's been reported since the first colony. So here we've got the bear again, the rumour. Um, it said, well, it looks like a bear or a man in a bear suit. Well, I don't think anyone's going to be running around in a bear suit, so I don't think so. So I'll just put that down as bears. And then we get to this. So this, this was, um, this is the Gainder bear. 
this was this took place on the 27th of February uh, 2000. The photo was taken by Peter Raffles of Gainder. Gainder is in Queensland. Gainder is um, north of Gympie, so it's above the Sunshine Coast. Uh, that's his friend Julian Knott, who's visible there in the foreground. Gary Opert put this photo under a strong magnifying glass and he said it's definitely a bear, probably an American black bear, but possibly an uh, ascetic, is that how you pronounce it? Black bear. And they're very fond of oranges. Now, these things, apparently there's been quite a few of these bears seen in that area at that time and in people's orange orchards. So I'll just, just zoom that in just a little bit. It's a little bit hard to see there. But you just see this this um, right here, what I'm pointing at, that's a blade of grass that's blocking its head. You know, yeah, okay, it looks like a cow, sure. Um, some people could say, but you know, there have been other reports of exactly the same thing. And people are seeing close quarters as well. And also remember back in 2000, or actually in 2004, only 25% of phones had cameras. Uh, so you know, what people were carrying around in the year 2000, including myself, was a camera. You didn't have one in your phone. So that was that was probably one, one of the only ones that we had, or the only photo that, that we had from back in, back in the day. So here, again, we've got another bear. Now, you can tell what a bear looks like, and that, to me, looks... I mean, look how stocky it is. Oh, th- that's clear as day. It's it's a bear, you know. It it's got the the really thick rear. You can see it. It's it's got the extremely large head. Uh, I there's there's really nothing more left to to say about that that type of thing. And you know, it it really does kind of amaze me that this is Australia. Like I I cannot fathom that there is bears. Potentially, well, not even potentially. Like this is this is photographic evidence that there is at least one bear out there in Australia at some point. Well, the apparently uh, there's a circus truck overturned, and I can't remember exactly what year it was. I think it was the oh god, it was, it was possibly say the late sixties or seventies, and um, a lot of the circus animals escaped, and a lot uh, were in, were injured. They had to be shot, including an elephant. And the, the head of the elephant was put up in the, the local scout hall. But they had uh, to... Th- I'm not quite sure that whether a couple of the orangutans actually escaped. And I think they had a few other ones that escaped as well. And that's sort of in the, in the same wow. area. <laughs> and that, that, that is documented, so... Yeah. yeah. It, you know, you, you hear these types of stories when it comes to, like, the panther. That, that you know, the circuses kind of let them loose or they kind of get out. Yeah, but that doesn't account for... Well, prior to World War II, we, you know, okay, so we, we've already, in one of the, my intros we did for, uh, well, I, I, I used, bought in Panthers, etc. Um, we found documentation that was well prior to World War II because you know, the cliche adage, adage was uh, you know, they came here because they were mascots for the US and they were released towards the end of the war. But no, no, they were reported well prior to that. Back in the 1800s, we've got files, we've got files on, on the Black Panthers. All right, so now we're getting up to modern times. Torrington. Uh-oh, another bear. Torrington, New South Wales. Another bear. Bear's, bear's actually stepping out ahead now. This, it's, uh, it's out ahead of the baboon. Uh, five foot ten, if anything, it was more like a black bear. Uh, you see, uh, there are some monkeys that have the same type of nose, I guess, 
It was dark brown, had hair all over it. The legs didn't have much shape to them. Like, there's no bends or there's no hair or it was fairly long all the way down. Okay, so then it dropped to all fours. Okay. And climbed back up the bank. Um, okay, so now he's got so between a bear and some sort of ape. Some sort of snout. Okay, so again, this is what they're looking at. This is what they're, this is what they're drawing their analogies on, basically. It's, it's sort of like, and he says right down at this bottom bit, he goes, you know, uh, and, yeah, long snout. So long snout could also be contributed to what these, well, like I said before, people are, are looking at this baboon uh, and, and calling it out as a baboon because of this long, long snout. They go, well, yeah, it's kind of like primate-ish. This is what this guy is saying. Uh, but he's br- bringing bear into the equation. So, again, we've got a bear in there and there's a bear in there. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, this is just interesting because what we're, we're actually we're drawing a picture here, right? This is what we're doing. and This is what data is all about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, uh, they're, they're just a, as a heads up, like for, for the people who are listening to the podcast, um, be sure to jump on, watch the video version of this um, because we will be referencing like some people in the – in the chat and things like that. Um, but we might save some of those questions till a little bit later on towards the, the end of this podcast, because, um, there, uh, there's some, there's some heated people with like some very interesting opinions about the, the, I guess maybe some of the evidence that you're, you're portraying. And I think it's, I think it's important that, you know, we got to take a very analytical look at what people say they encountered um, because you're not the person saying that. Oh, no, I'm just, this, I'm just going through the facts, man. You're just, just, you're just, just the pre- facts. You're just presenting the, the data the that data, you, yeah. you've shared with there's us no, There's tonight. no point getting heated about anything that's absolutely pointless. We're just telling a story here. Yeah, absolutely. Because this this information that's being presented does not take away from anyone's encounters. Absolutely not. Like, like I said, this is why we need to document the whole dogman thing as well and get that all on record so then we can draw a bigger picture from that. Yeah. Just like what we're doing now with, you know, the bear sightings and the, the baboon and, and and what have you. you yeah. Know? And the, the thing that's so important about tonight is that we, we do, we want to take a historical look at what these types of encounters um, you know, that were could have potentially been dogman, ha- how they were reported in yesteryear. What what we're seeing here through all this data, all this analysis, all these files, what, what we aren't seeing is a dogman, right? That's what we're not seeing. That's the important part. Nobody's saying this was a dog on two legs. Not one person throughout all the history, all the documentation, this is the important part. Not one of them has said that's a dog on two legs. But they have said baboon on two legs, a bear on two legs. And there's been a couple who said, well, I had sort of a dog sort of looking face. And and for me, like, those encounters saying that doesn't take away from, like, people I've interviewed who, who believe that they've seen no. dog man or experienced dog man. No, it's not. You know, like, very good friend of ours, Attila, has had his own personal experience with the dog man, uh, be it over in... The uh, in the UK, like it didn't happen in Australia, but the the whole purpose of tonight is like we want to look at the the historical evidence of like how do how did we get to our current climate of dogman encounters in Australia, and it is this is the journey of 150 years ago to today. So that that whole identifying element of it is is so crucial to to find out how do we go from that time of 
geez, what could this thing be? Maybe it is a, a giant weird baboon to today going, well, no, we're, we're a little bit clearer about what this potentially could have been. This could have been a dogman. Or is it something completely different? Um, but the point is that you know, if the dogman, well, all, all these sightings from all these Yowie sightings, not not referring to these, all the, the Yowie sightings plus these, they've all been reported to newspapers, okay? But not one dogman report has been sent to a newspaper since the early 1800s saying it's a dogman. With, and not, not saying it had the big ears or anything like that, right? So that's what we're saying. If, if there was something like that, we would have it, but there's not. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's opening the discussion. It's opening different points of view because you're a fool if you think you're always right. Oh. Well, what do I always say? Uh, the more I learn, the less I know. Exactly, exactly. So I'm not saying I know it all, but... I know what I do know, and there's no dog reports, dogman reports, uh, right up until just recent times. And the first ones come in here pretty much of 1985. This is Wurrungri, Queensland, Gold Coast. I spoke, I, I interviewed this this lady myself. And uh, yeah, very, very tall, freaked the heck out of her. Um, now, we had a, a conversation after this, uh, and because she was find it really hard to like we said you know try and try and put a picture to her, to her description but she did come up with one in there and it was the anubis the egyptian anubis so but the, the thing that stands out on this right it's the size of the years she says that they were uh 20 to 30 centimeters sticking directly up oh wow on both sides of the head it was tall with glowing green eyes the ears were sticking straight up, and this thing was about seven feet tall. So this is, uh, and and also there's a around the same time, and this is interesting because we often find a lot of reports happen in the same period of time. And they might might be completely different, but they're almost concentrated in the same area over, say, a two year period, um, which is you know really interesting stuff. So I've got a, a sound bite of. Kayla here, and uh, everyone just have a, a listen to this. And in the distance, maybe 20 to 30 metres, somewhere like that, something really tall with ears straight up and glowing eyes. They were either green or red. To this day, I cannot recall. It was just glowing. But I remember being quite slim, tall, ears sticking up, and I just just bolted, caught up to my friend Kim, grabbed her by the arm, started shaking her, going, oh, my God, it's got... And I was just repeating, it's got ears, it's got glowing eyes, um, it's tall. And she's like, what, what? I don't want to know, I don't want to know. And I sort of stopped. I went home the long way and she went home. When you noticed it, what was it doing? What was your reaction? It was basically just face on, but in a distance, and it was tall because it was in a distance and it was still tall so I knew it had to be a lot taller it was something that never in my wildest dreams was I expecting so you know glowing eyes it's got ears and I just remember them being quite long and straight up so in the silhouette or you know because it was facing to me I couldn't see if it um, had a snout or anything other than that it was just the ears stood out the tallness 
and the eyes. In your email here to me, you suggest that it was approximately eight, uh, seven to eight feet tall. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's quite tall. When we were speaking earlier, I asked you, were they reflecting or self-illuminating? Yeah, definitely were self Well, It looked like it was self because there was nothing really reflecting. There was no car lights or anything like that. So blown away by it. There was a distinct colour, but you can't remember which. Yes, I think it was a red, it was a green, but it was either one of them two. It was one of them two colours. Is either red or green? I hope you don't have that same problem when you're driving a car. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned that the ears stood straight up. Yes. How long were the ears and where were they situated on the head? On top. When you say on top, are you saying like a dog's ears would, would be placed on the side of the Yeah, side? yeah, yeah, exactly. The size of the ears? Say 20 to 30 centimetres, I'd say. Similar to the way a doberman's ears would stick directly up? Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. but longer, a lot, lot longer. So put another 20 centimetres on his ear on top, like... I just re- also I remember being, you know, like shake my friends got ears, ears, you know what I mean? Like that was like a key point. Eyes and ears, they were my two things, and it was tall and right. So, so that's where we leave that one. That was really interesting. That uh, the, the glowing red or green eyes, um, it that sort of correlates with the next audio bite that I have. And uh, he sort of describes the same attribute. But before you jump into there, like, that woman was quite definitive. Like, she saw, Mm. uh, like, a dog-like creature. Mm. And everything that she relayed to you, like, Mm. complete confidence in how she was speaking about it. Mm. Like, she's, you could hear in her voice, like, she's obviously come to terms with the thing that she encountered. Um, and is quite sure of herself, like not second guessing or, or anything. Like obviously there was a little hiccup about the the red or the green, um, but to to be so sure about like even these like kind of outstanding elements of illuminated eyes. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, to be so sure about that, that that's self, very telling. Self illuminating. But she said it was face onto her the whole time, not sideways. So she couldn't tell whether it had a muzzle or not. But the most amazing thing is these ears were just like the anibus. Uh, sticking up 20 to 30 centimetres, sort of like a, a Doberman's ears as she explains it. But she also went on um, to say that there was a there, there was a picture that she had seen that did sum it up. Now, strangely enough, it was on Scooby-Doo. Uh, but she said this, this cartoon character that they had during one of their episodes was just like what she saw. And I... I had a quick look through. I did my Scooby-Doo searches and episodes and things. Um, and I, in images in Google, I couldn't actually find what she's referring to. But then the sec- second best thing she could come up with, because I said to these officers, is this what you're talking about? And she goes, yeah, yeah, that, they're, they're, the, they're the ears. That's interesting. Yeah, and seven feet tall. Yeah, that's big. That's big. Did she say how far away she was from it? Yeah, only about 30 metres. Oh, wow, that's close. Yeah. So yeah, at that distance, like you, she would have a pretty good understanding of like the the actual size of things. Like it's not like hundreds of meters away. I know. Distorted. It's, it's, like, it's close enough to get a good look at it, and she never walked that way again at night time. Don't blame her. <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, afterwards, uh, she was with her friend, and uh, I think they were 
just out in the bush there because that was back in the day when Wurundjeri was um, just putting new estates in. It was un, un, underdeveloped. There was a lot of bushland and um, you see a really strange thing happened. Uh, standing out there, it was just uh, probably weeks after this event and she said, suddenly there was this big whoosh just comes through right past them and they go, what the heck was that? They said, it just came from nowhere. Just a whoosh went right around them and then gone. And... Um, and in the, that same area, probably only 100 metres away, another woman, exactly the same time, she's with her friend and she they're, they're walking along in, in the long grass again. This is sort of like you know, the, the stages of new development and so on. So there's a bit of a wide open space there and long, long grass. And they'd been playing in the afternoon. They're heading back home and they could see something was in the grass and they're getting closer and closer. And as they came up and they looked over, there's this thing in the fetal position lying there looking up at them, looking scared. And uh, that description she gave was kind of more like a young yaoi that was lying there in the grass. Uh, but she remembers that like it was yesterday. Wow. But again, these sort of things happen in the same area at the same time. They sort of had this concentration. Broken Hill was another great example. And that, everything just went on there uh, for, for a short spate of time within a two-year window and then bang, nothing again. And that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So we've gone past where our, 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 our hour has gone already. It's flown by. It's flown by. Already? <laughs> already. Jeez. How many How many more uh, audio bits do we have here? Uh, okay, so audio, I've got one more, which is the dog man, which, you know, again, he says, then yeah, he gives a pretty good, yeah, and then we've got Tony Healy, interview with Tony Healy on, like, the dog man and, and so on. Yeah, well, let's go with one more, and then we might might wrap up this first section of the uh, of the discussion. All right, let's okay. do it. All right, so backstory on this, I'll just bring up the report. Uh, Logan Village, where I am. Um, I know you wrote for me there. All right, so uh, this came through to me. I gave it to Tony Healy. Uh, he's driving. Yeah, he's, he's coming back from the Gold Coast, and he's he's driving down this uh, back road. And I know the road well because I drove it many times. And it's kind of like farm fields and bush, etc. It's on the other side of the hill where the Ormo Yowie is. And of course, you now everyone knows everything about the Ormo Yowie. That was notorious. So it's all in the same uh, space of bushland, basically a few kilometres from each other. Um, and it's quite interesting how many people bring up the name Usain Bolt. I think if I did a search on my private files, I'd, yeah. Um, okay, so this thing looked like a dog. He just passed it, and he's going, what the heck is that? It's about midnight-ish or so. And he's turned his, his his car around, and he's come back, and it's still there. As he gets out, this thing stands up and looks at him, and I'll let him tell the story. The second I turned the corner, I saw an animal. My brain tried to tell me it was a dog. And then, as my car leveled up to the spot where it was, I actually stopped because I couldn't convince myself it was a dog. It was about seven foot tall. It was crouched like a human. So I kept on driving past. I got about 20, 30 metres past it in my car and I had to have another look. So I turned around, drove back to the spot, and it was still there. It was foraging through one of the gutters next to the sign there must have been some food or something in the actual ditch so 
it was actually squatted down foraging like a human. And then I opened the car door, put my foot out, it stood up, looked at me, turned around and legged it straight for the bush. The eyes were bright green. It was greyish black hair. Like I say, it was crouched down like a human. That's why I thought it was a dog initially. Looked at me with piercing green eyes, 20 feet away from it. You know when things take off from the racetrack? That's what it did. The only way to describe it was like watching an electric sprinter get off the box. This thing clipped a street sign as it took off with its head. It's, it's pretty tall. The weight, the general build and shape of the thing? Um... Like pretty sort of tall and rangy and not, almost a little undernourished. The arms and legs were extremely thin, very, very soggy core. Muscular, but thin. But the head is what sort of really surprised me because it had an elongated snout, much like a dog, which was my first impression. The same shape as my head. Basically, it was a slightly elongated snout down towards where the mouth is. The mouth and the snout were sort of protruding, but basically the same shape as a human head. You wouldn't say it looked more like a dog than a human in the face. The only reason I thought it was a dog is because I've, I've always worked with animals. When I first turned the corner, my first thought was, oh, yeah, it's a dog. But then when I pulled up next to it, it looked like a elongated snout, like a dog. I guess it was sort of the bottom part of the face sort of protruded a bit. Completely hairy face, but the piercing green eyes. That was what really caught my attention. That's interesting. How about the size of the eyes? Could you sort of tell? I mean, I guess they're reflecting green, but... The hair on the face was just general, was it? All over or was Exactly it? the same. Exactly the same as what was on the body. Fairly coarse looking. The only thing I can relate it to is an Irish wolfhound that got that real tufty sort of sticky out of fur. It was all over the face as well. There was a feral scent. I don't know if there was a dead animal in the ditch or something at the time, but that's what it smelled like, decomposing flesh. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. I'll just show you the um, the street post that he um, that this thing hit. This is it here. So that was the seventy zone uh, street post that it hit. Wow! So I should have been a bit embarrassed after doing that. <laughs> That's Tony Healy. No, we won't do that one just yet. Hold on a little bit later. Not yet. We'll, we'll play that in a minute. Um, but that's a, you know what, that that type of encounter where this thing is like running next to it is just kind of terrifying. Oh, no. Yeah, we know we've got another one. Yeah. yeah. Now, this one here, the, the Woi Woi. Oh, this is this is one that's, of my favourite encounters. Rip- Pablo. This is, this thing is nuts. And this is terrifying because not only is the, the artist recreation of this incredible but the the actual encounter is just so mind-blowing and genuinely just a terrifying experience from start to finish it was so hard to do an edit on this because he had so much to say he was so descriptive about everything first of all his wife's driving he's in the passenger seat kids are in the back 
and uh, it's it's dark and they've got the kangaroo mob in front of them and they're sort of all splitting up and she's like slowing down trying not to hit them and then he's got the kangaroo that comes out of the bush on the left hand side and sort of running next to the car he sort of does the double triple take <laughs> and it's only about 1.5 metres from the side of the car and he's looking straight at it and this thing's just, just running as as the picture um, depletes uh, as, as he's as he's um, as he's can, drawn Can it. you get that one up just on the big screen for, for those watching? This is what... Oh, look at that. Yeah. That, that's what that's what he did. And then I think Buck sort of uh, put his twin... That, uh, yeah. So that the, this is what he's talking about was the, the muzzle. Yeah. And, and he mentions dog all the way through. He doesn't back off from that. And also he mentions the ears. I was going to say, even the ears are like... They're human-like, but there's like a canine element to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. He goes right into that. But like I said, it was really hard to do an edit on it because he had so much to say and everything he was saying was relevant, but we don't sort of like have half an hour to sort of spend on it. So anyway, let's have a listen to that after we have a break. Okay, that sounds great. So what we're going to do is um, we're going we're gonna to play a interview that you've got pre-recorded um, while we just kind of take a five, ten minute break and um, while we freshen up and um, we will be back for round two. So uh, in the meantime, guys, while we do that, it would be a really good opportunity if you have any questions for myself or Dean relating to, you know, Australian um, uh, dogman encounters or just questions about the dogman in general, pop them in the, uh, in the chat because I'd love to pass them on to you and get your thoughts on them. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. <laughs> this is Tony Healy, and uh, this is an interview that I did with him a couple of days, days in ago. In our files, when I say our files, I mean you, mm. myself and Paul, mm. we have files from uh, the 1800s with the first reports of an elongated snout. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the question is, are people making a mistake between you know, mm. a snout of a primate and or a dog? Yeah, well... I don't know, but certainly the um, vast majority of what we think of as Yari reports were, you know, they fit the standard appearance of a Yowie, uh, ape-like man or a man-like ape, bipedal, and usually they'd say the face was fairly flat, right? Broad nose, uh, not, not much in the way of a snout. Some people would say, oh, in profile it may have had, you know, a bit of a muscle and um, uh, then occasionally people would say well it, it did seem to have a 
dog-like snout. And over the years, these sort of reports, that this dog-like snout reports were only a small minority. So you'd think, well, you know, they're mistaken, they're very excited. Um, it didn't usually, in my, the ones I can think of, didn't usually involve sort of Doberman-like ears. The ears were, as far as my impression was, weren't mentioned that much, just the snout. Um, and uh, in the colonial era, there were um, reports where the creature was specifically called baboon or baboon-like. And um, we, of course, you can't go back in a time machine and quiz the, the witnesses, and sometimes the reports were fairly brief. So um, you think, well, they're talking about a baboon-like animal, and, and usually it didn't specify whether the baboon-like animal was on its hind legs or on a, all fours. So you think, well... But in... S- some of these cases, most of these cases, these baboon-like creatures were reported from areas that had produced conventional Yowie reports, you know, the man-ape or the various sizes, you know, but usually um, uh, near man-sized or even much bigger than man-sized, the Stanthorpe area. Paul Cropper interviewed an old guy there and his family and um, this old fellow had seen a conventional-shaped yowie. I can't, can you remember the guy's name? I just offhand mm-hmm. can't. I know who it is, yes. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and um, his uncle had encountered a um, creature at um, on the road in the fog, uh, a yowie-type creature. But uh, this, this man's younger sister, I think it was in 1940. That's right. Yeah, yeah she'd... Um, come running down back to the farmhouse one day because she'd gone up to play in her cubby house, a little shelter of sticks and what have you, and she came running back and said there was a, a man, an awful-looking man, um, sitting in the um, uh, her cubby house, and um, she said he was covered with hair. And So they, they got a picture book of animals to show her, and she said... That's what it was. The man looked just like that. And she was pointing at a picture of a baboon. So, um, well, again, um, she said it looked like a baboon and it was not huge. It was crouched down, sitting on its bum. Uh, But her brother, as we just said, had seen a conventional-looking yowie and his uncle or brother had seen another conventional-looking yowie. So you'd think, well, the little girl was mistaken, you know. It was, we assumed what she'd seen was a juvenile yowie and somehow or other she'd um, thought that it looked like the baboon in the picture. They're not that common in our files. Uh, I don't know. You have probably a lot more. You, I know you've got a lot more reports than us. Uh, we've got several hundred, but... Uh, not that many. It's a minority where baboons are mentioned and it's a minority where big yowies with snouts are mentioned. But uh, I think it's got to the point, as you've said a few times in recent years, it's got to the point where 
it'd be unfair to ignore the reports of the snouts. And so you think, well, how could how could some Yowies have quite pronounced snouts, whereas most, almost all of the others have got flat faces? They're, they're seldom reported, but often enough to take notice of. Yeah. Uh, now, we also have the woi woi. Uh, where Pablo had the... Oh, Pablo, oh, Pablo. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, hopefully you'll be showing the illustration. Yeah, that's right. There's a man who was driving and the damn thing was running right beside his car window and he had the eye of an artist and it wasn't over just like that. He had time to look at it. Definite, definite um, dog-like face right. on a man-like body. So uh, yeah, that was uh, difficult to ignore. So what are you what are you dealing with? You know, uh, I mean, it, it would seem uh, abs- real stretch of the imagination to say that there are two different types of um, man-like creatures in Australia, and some of them have dog-like faces and some have ape-like faces. The two thousand seventeen report from Logan Village that I think you interviewed the guy where it was in the... Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, you put me onto him. I just interviewed him for AYR. Yeah, and he was close up to that thing and he turned his car around and had a look at it and it was a big yowie-like uh, critter uh, and uh, he could gauge the height of it pretty exactly because it was... Uh, his head was Science skimming post. a high... Yeah. Um, metal sign, and uh, yeah, it had been grubbing around in the um, in the gutter in the ditch when he first saw it, and he thought, "Is that a dog or something?" And uh, and then he thought, "That ain't no dog." It was on its haunches. Went and turned around, got it in his headlights, and stood up. And it had, you know, he, he saw it. The glowing green eyes. Green eyes, yeah, the green-eyed dog. Based. But the, the, the attribute that he was describing was particularly about the uh, elongated snout. Yeah, yeah, he did mention it, and I thought, well, oh, my God, I don't know, you know. By that time, I, you know, I think you'd spoken to me about various dog-like uh, and, you know, made the point that, OK, if we're, go- if we're going to be honest investigators, we can't ignore the um, dog-like... Um, creatures. But the question is, is it mistaken identity because it's a protruding, protruding draw of, uh, of a primate-looking creature or is it actually a, a dog-like creature on two legs? Yeah, well, I, don't, I, I honestly don't know. I don't think there's enough data, really. I mean, I haven't read enough cases or interviewed enough. That guy you mentioned, he would be the um, uh, the, the, the one witness who I've spoken to in recent times who was so definite about it. I spoke to a witness uh, who, she had a 1995 report. In fact, there were two in the, the same area. Uh, when I say the same area, in fact, it was almost, almost the same street as that same suburb was uh, developed. Uh, now, she came home at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, she's dropped off and she had a short walk back to her home mm. now, as she's walking home in the streetlights she sees and it's documented on nowhere mm. uh, this creature uh, very tall upright and she said that the uh, ears mm. were like 
Dobermans ears, although Doberman-like, wow. uh, on each side. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we have reports of ears on Yowies and sometimes we don't. Hmm, usually not, isn't it? They, their ears are either not... People just don't notice them that much or they say, well, they just plain weren't visible because of the hair. Well, she used a, Well, we sort of had a little bit of play uh, with the images and what we came up with together, myself and the witness, mm-hmm. was the image of the Egyptian... Oh, God, jackal face. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if a new career is coming back... But, uh, it's not in fashion. It's, uh, but it is funny. I, I'm not right up on it, but um, I think aren't there uh, investigators in the States and Canada who are talking about Dogman or... Been going on for a long time in the States. It's relatively new in Australia. Is it just a fad in Australia because of the American influence? I don't know, but, you know, uh, but then again, you know, there were those... Um, um, Reports of baboon-like animals in the in the colonial era here, rarely, but every now and then they'd have well, some creature like a baboon terrifying people on the. Um, but you know, there are other irregularities sometimes in in Yowie reports. You know, um, you get um, Yowie reports where there people say the. You know, the ears, occasional reports where they say, oh, the ears were really pronounced. They had big, it had big sticking out ears. Well, I suppose some humans have big sticking out ears and most don't. But, um, you know, that, that detail in, in some reports, like old Clive Shepherdson in 1937, he said the ears were very pronounced. Well, uh, apart from that... His description of the Yowie that he and his mate saw really close up in daylight at close range. Uh, I mean, other than the ears, it was, you know, it would be, you know, a pretty good average Yowie report description. We are back for part two of uh, Dogman Down Under. With only 25 minutes to go. Only 25 minutes to go in our proposed uh, two-hour time slot, which we'll see how we stick with that. Here's <laughs> a, a picture I've got up on the screen there of uh, Tony Healy. This is back in 19... Oh, what a youngin. Yeah, yeah, 1977 at uh, Loch, Loch Mora. I love that. He He's a red beard gentleman. I know. Look at him. He's been doing it a long, long time. Uh, both uh, he and um, his co-conspirator here, one of our, my best friends, um, Paul Cropper. And, of course, they're authors of of these books. Uh, now, Paul and Tony uh, first started collaborating in 1980. Uh, this book was produced in 1994, out of the shadows. Now, interestingly, these are collector's items now. I was going to say, you're holding a piece of history I that know, no one can get their hands on right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, these these two are Australian cryptozoology uh, icons, royalty, legends. Uh, they've done so much over the years. So this book here we found on eBay for over $300. Um, they're really hard to come by. So we've got that one. That was their, their first book. And then the second one... Uh, I started to collaborate with them, and we produced the Yowie. That's that one there. You can still get these in production, and that's great. It's a, a glossary of right from the start of the 
1800s uh, onwards as we're out of the shadows you've got all the australian cryptids you've got the thylacine you've got basically everything that's been reported uh throughout our time then they write this book uh australian poltergeist and that's phenomenal uh, we were having a, a talk prior to this show about when they went up to Humpty Doo and uh, they were investigating a, a poltergeist, essentially, and these rocks just started dropping out of the roof. Now, Paul being the sceptic that Paul is, uh, for me, I, I thought that's, that is, how good is that? That he is, he's seeing something with his own eyes for once and it's, it's, they're coming down right through the roof, but they're not making a hole in the roof and they're witnessing the whole thing. This is why they were there and they had reporters there and everything. It was happening in front of everybody. Stones were dropping through the roof, but not making uh, any sort of marks or anything like that. How does that work? Stuff came through the wall and it didn't make a hole in the wall, but they still came through doesn't make sense, does it, it? It doesn't. And I had a situation like this myself. Um, it was probably about six years ago, seven years ago. And I'm driving my, my car and I see this rock. Oh, when I say rock, it would have been about yay big. It was coming straight for me. And there's no one there to have thrown it, but it was coming straight from my windscreen. And... Okay, first of all, your mind's rock and rolling here going, you're, first, you're wondering how is it, why is it, and on that particular trajectory, it hits the windscreen, it comes through the windscreen, and also the rear vision mirror. This is a BMW X5, and it hits that, comes through the windscreen and through the, the bottom of the, the base of the rear vision mirror, and it lands in the back of the car, Right? Incredible, absolutely incredible. The windscreen wasn't touched. And so when I hear this happen, and it does happen, and it can happen, I'm going, oh, then, I mean, I'm already asking what was that. Yeah. But 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 now it's sort of putting things in more context. It, is, it happens to somebody else. It was just incredible. I've never experienced anything like that before. Surely you, you did something with that rock, right? I would have made an emulet or something out of that. I could not find it. You're joking. No. I searched high and low. It landed in the back. Bang, ching, ching, bang, 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 bang. First of all, was the crack. I saw it go past my head, this far away from my face, and it went straight through, landed in the back, bounced around, ching, 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 ching. So it had like a, a, a fair bit of velocity to it. Oh, it was moving. Yeah. I cannot explain it. To this day, I cannot explain it. But then when Tony was sitting in my lounge room the other night, because uh, he just spent the last week with me, and he was explaining that time at Humpty Doo. And all those stones coming through without making a mark, I'm going, ooh, 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 I've got a story about that. I wonder how many people that happens to. Okay, so the latest book uh, this year is The Yowie File. This is the latest, greatest, and the last of the trilogy. So if you haven't got your hands on it, uh, get it now while they're still in stock. Um, Amazing stuff in there. Really, really good stuff. I mean, they've dotted their I's, crossed their T's, and, yeah, a lot of work. We all work together on that. All right, so moving on, we'll get to our last audio file, and that's Pablo's at Woi Woi. All right, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. 
and then after this, we'll uh, we'll have a chat about that, and then we'll get into some listener questions. So I've got about ten or so kind of lined up. So we'll try and get through as many as we can. Um, while this is playing, this is going to be your kind of last chance to ask questions, um, just because it's uh, I'm a simple man, Dean, and when there's too much stuff kind of flashing on my screen, I can't deal with it. So. Um, get your questions in now and, uh, we will, we will answer those, um, following suit. Your wife's driving and she sees some kangaroos on the road. She's dropped her speed to about 50 or 60 kilometers an hour. So probably 50, 60 kilometers at the most. Now, the kangaroos are spread to both sides of the road. One goes to yes. the left, and you think another one's come back out at that stage, or you're thinking at this moment that it is a kangaroo. As this thing's next to you, how far away from the side of the car was it from you? I would say a meter and a half to meter. I wouldn't say more than that. Have you turned your head and looked at it directly? Uh, yes, yeah. While it's running beside you at 50 kilometres an hour or 60 kilometres an hour, is it keeping pace with you? Is it keeping speed with you? Yes. The average human can only run about 30 kilometres an hour. Yeah, no, yes. The, uh, the record was set by Usain Bolt in 2009, and that was 44.7. Now we're talking faster than an Olympic sprinter. Yeah, yeah. Keeping pace with your car. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. You're observing ears on the right side of its head. They're not on top of the head like a kangaroo. It's on the right side of the head. And you mentioned that they're small and pointy. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much like a human, but, but I mean, like, you know, like the size, but pointy, yeah. Very pointy, like like what, what you would see on, on a drawing of a gnome or a fairy. What height was this creature? But I would say easily, easily two meters, easily. Easily two meters. Well, that's, uh, you're saying easily at least six and a half feet then. Yeah, yeah, easily, easily. And and now, anything from two to three, I would say, you know? Just quickly back on the ears again, you're saying they're the same size as a human's ear, but it has a point at the top, so therefore it doesn't quite look like a, a human's ear? Yeah, the shape is not uh, human, no. It was covered in hair? Yeah, all over. The eyes felt small, quite small, deep, deep set, and, and really, really, really dark. So you're saying that the, the eyes were deep set, does that mean it had very pronounced eye ridges? Fairly. Yeah, fairly. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say anything like, uh, say, a Cro-Magnon skull or something like that. But yeah, it has a, a fairly, fairly pronounced ridge. Yeah, brow ridge. Pronounced snout. Can you talk to me more about that? I mean, how pronounced was it? Compared to a normal human, maybe five centimeters forward. You know, comparing that, like you know, the, if if you think of the tip of the nose and the chin. And five centimeters forward. So, are we saying that that was more in terms of some sort of relic human, 
or are we talking more like dog shaped? I felt that was more like dog shaped. It was like a dog. Um, you know, when the nose finishes, it just comes down straight to the chin. And this thing was like that. So it was pretty much a, a doggish looking nose. So basically a, a canine type protruding mouth. Yeah, yeah. Yet the rest of the head looked more humanish. Yes, yeah, but hairy, yeah. But yeah. hairy. And, yeah. And, and with pointy ears, yeah. The nose is protruding similar to a dog. Yeah, yeah, pretty much like the drawing that they sent to you. That's why the feeling that they had was a dog or a fox. On two legs. On two legs, yeah. <laughs> if that encounter there, Dean, doesn't make you question the, the reality of, like, does Dogman exist? There's probably not too many kind of encounters in Australia that would kind of push you any further than that because this is uh, a tremendous kind of encounter you know like this person encountered this thing with his entire family and it, it wasn't like a two second encounter like this is something that he had quite a fair bit of i would say interaction with um he was so able to like recognize or, or understand the features like he was able to reproduce this drawing himself so I, I don't know if you find this, but I find like when people have these very traumatic encounters, like they, they kind of imprint that moment in their mind almost forever. And it's obviously done this for this gentleman. Like he's done this incredible rendition of it. Like you can see the biceps, the triceps, even the forearm muscles. Like he was able to fully, uh, I guess, develop everything that he, he saw like, does this kind of make you question, like, did this guy see a dog man? Like, where does where does this kind of sit in that, the reality of this creature for you? Well, firstly, you're right. I mean, encounters like this stay with you forever, as I say. Um, there's no escaping it. And I've got some great examples of people who had encounters back in the 70s, but they still think about it every day. Yeah. Right. Now... I think cases like this, when it's so descript and he's so on the ball, so on the money in terms of uh, articulating what he's seeing so affirmatively, you can't ignore it. Yeah. You know? And there's there's been a few of those. I mean, just the last three audio clips that I put up, they're all affirmative towards the dog man. Yeah. But these are modern day, modern day, right? And so... You know, like I say, things sort of happen in spates uh, over time. But, and also, like I said, the pendulum sways with America and in the UK with what's happening over there. You know, they come on, they die off, they come on, they die off. And that's just the trend of it. And uh, there, there's also this trend with the dogman, and we have not touched on this viewpoint at all, is that it is almost like this demonic entity. Mm. You know, I, I hear so many stories, especially in the US, that like they believe that this is almost like this di- a demonic entity that 
people who encounter this type of creature like feel like it's there to be a menace to do evil to to be up to up to no good when you know you, you hear encounters like with yaoi's and sasquatch and it's it's kind of like wrong place wrong time type of thing and sometimes you and i always say this like <laughs> yaoi's and sasquatch are, are kind of like, just like people you'll run into good people and you'll run into shitty people and you'll run into happy people and you'll run into grumpy people and it Exa- just depends ex- exactly right and it just depends on like what those circumstances are, yes. what whatever happens, happens in those situations. But when whenever it comes to Dogman, it's not like this Dogman was so lovely for me and it kind of helped me out of the area. It's like, no, this Dogman like wanted to tear me to pieces and I don't know how I'm I'm alive. Yeah, you, you, you look like that. You're built like that. You can't see anything other than menacing, right? Um, yeah, the, the last few reports that I put up, um, they're quite convincing. I, I, yeah, I mean, you, you, you hear that and you, you think, well, you know, there might be some weight to this. I mean, there, there probably is some weight to this. Well, there's some weight to this in the description, the way they're looking, and there's something to it, but we want to know more. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the, the, the most important thing when it comes to, to these things. And it's essentially kind of been the, the anthem for this entire episode is if you've seen something that you think is a dog man, like report it, report it, get it documented. You have to get it documented. If it's not documented, it's lost forever. You know, we we have to have just like all the old day reports that we have. Today will one day be an old day. So you know, all these matter. So report them, report them into us, and we're pretty much the only people that document them and have our files preserved. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when you when you kind of document it with someone like yourself, it really removes the emotion from it because not to say that like any of these encounters aren't emotional or anything like that because obviously they they all are but when you start to to talk about it in a in a matter of fact kind of format like it it, it removes your your self-beliefs it removes the the self-doubt like you're you're there you're essentially you're making like a pseudo police report and it's all about the detail it's not about how you felt. It's not about how this affected you for the rest of your life. This is, tell me what you saw, tell me how it interacted, and 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 tell me what this thing did. Infinite details are so important. Because the little details that people tend to forget. That's just human nature. Uh, it'll be, you'll be surprised how many of these little traits that they turn out to be so important in the future when you're doing, drawing analogies with other similar reports and or reports in the same area. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the I just want to I, I just want to really reinstate, like, tonight is not about deciding, hey, our personal opinions, like, does this thing exist or not? Um, if, if we were to go on the record, I would say, like, I've spoken to enough people who believe they've had encounters with this, people who are very close to me, like, people I would consider very dear friends who have said, no, hey, I've, I've seen this thing, flesh and blood, meters away from me. And I, I would say that person has nothing to gain from this. Uh, how, how are those reports documented? Uh, where are they saved? Where are they preserved? Well, those are people who have kind of spoken to me just in confidence. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You've got to, yeah. It's, it's got to be done properly as far as I'm concerned. Well, let me just say, they're, they're talking about it, right? They're, they're, that's, that's the first step of everything, of course. But I'm saying, but at the end of the day, it's important to, to file that report 
And so it is on record and it's going to help people. And this is what I stress. It's going to help people in later generations, if not now, but in later generations. Absolutely. And and that's that's the most important thing. And uh, like I, I we are we are obviously repeating this because it is of the highest importance that if you think you've encountered something like this, go on record. Absolutely. Like be anonymous, totally fine. Or we can do an interview with you. Yeah. But get it out there because the the thing is like this is this is this is essentially kind of like almost a new kind of phenomena in a, in Australia. It and, is. And it's kind of like... I, I believe it is. Yeah, I, I genuinely would believe it is. Like, we look at the, the records that you kind of showed from yesteryear, like just 100 years ago, 150 years ago, and they aren't describing this. Like, well, if, we, if we had Baboon Man back in the day, uh, well, I think Baboon Man's... Almost gone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, does that raise like these really weird questions? It comes down like, to paranormal, really, does it? In, in some, yeah. in, in some lines, perhaps, because a lot of what these people are reporting shouldn't be so. Yeah, yeah. So you know, for me, I'm I'm a believer that people are seeing something like this, whether it's a dog man or not. I can't. Obviously, I, I can't say, yeah, that's exactly what it is. No one can. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, so. if you're kind of sitting there saying, no, these people are definitely seeing Dogman. Yeah. Like, you're doing an injustice to yourself. You're doing an injustice to that person. You're doing an injustice to anyone else in the future who has an encounter with something like this. Yes, it's just, uh, yeah, inconsiderate mindset. Absolutely. And it is, it's it's just, it's too emotionally charged. It's too emotionally controlled. And it doesn't show, um, I guess, a, a level of, um, like, maturity. Well, that, exactly right. I think the importance is you know, just being level about everything yeah. and doing things down the, wrong, the right paths and listening to people's stories, uh, listening to you know, pros and cons, you know, taking everything on board, and then making your own informed opinion. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because at the end of the day, like we live in a very strange and unusual world with so many things that can't be explained. Mm. So don't feel like you're crazy for experiencing something because it's it's probably quite the opposite is that you potentially have this awakening moment in your life of okay now i'm going to see the world completely differently the thing things that happen out there in the australian bush and probably you know a lot of the continents around the world um you know in some ways it's it's quite disturbing like as i've always said before the indigenous people of most continents most, most countries uh, they are fearful even today walking the forests alone at night and there's a reason for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember growing up. Like, I, I grew up in like a, a convent, in an education system that was like very uh, heavily influenced by like Aboriginal culture. And there, there is like just so much about that Aboriginal culture that exists. Like, and I just kind of live with it in my my day to day life now. That it, it just seems like it's all kind of second nature but you know like whistling in the bush crying babies and and things like lights in the in the trees like you don't follow them you don't go in there it's for me it's just kind of like that's rule number one that's a crying baby that's now um yeah we've been through that many times with many many witnesses another interesting thing Cade, is that if you look at the aboriginal cave art you won't find any dog men in there that is interesting isn't it it's um, it's it's something that is completely lacking from Aboriginal law in my in my area. 
Now, that's not to say maybe it exists elsewhere. Um, and I don't speak for anyone else, but I can tell you that in the in the cultures that I've learned, it's non-existent. It's not mainstream anyway. No, no, not at all. It's, it's nothing you... I mean, we have you know, Aboriginals from all over the country and have done so for, for decades now, uh, talking to us and uh, telling their own stories and stories from those still living in past. Uh, not once does the dog man ever come up. Not once do I. I mean, I have so much cave art of the hours is plentiful. Yeah, I've got nothing in the dog man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you know, it's not even like kind of like this this regional thing like Quinkins are in in northern Queensland where uh, I've had people come to me saying they've seen Quinkins nowhere else but in Queensland, and it's like this really fascinating thing. And if if you don't know what the Quinkin is, like jump on Google, give it a search because it is. Incredible! It's it's super super mind blowing. Um, but D mate, what do you reckon? We've got we've got about fifteen minutes left of our of our show tonight. Do you want to take some questions from the uh, from the viewers and, and things like that? Sure, that'd be great. Excellent. So I've uh, I've kind of spotted a couple that were rather good throughout the uh, entire show. So um, thank you to everyone who's kind of got to them. Um, I'm going to go through them. We may have potentially answered a couple of those while we've been just kind of discussing um, our, our our things tonight. Um, but yeah, it's uh, let's get to it. So the first one, uh, uh, Chaser Odyssey asked me, "What is it, Cade? Uh, Quinkins? Um, yeah, give it. Just search Quinkins, Queensland, I guess. Taramulli. Yeah, it's um, you'll you'll learn all about it. So mainly the top end and. They're said to be extremely tall. Yeah, like very, very tall, very thin. Yeah, they yeah. live in the cracks of rocks and stuff um, like that. So this, for example, this this picture here that I've got on the front. Um, you, from, you regularly see him in Aboriginal art with it with the owls. Yeah, so you got per- Percy Precise. He's got the uh, giant quink in there, or Taramulli. This one's Taramulli, but they're essentially very very similar things. But they they come from the top end of the country. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I'm I'm surprised that it's not like more of a, a thing. But you know, each region has its own kind of beliefs and stuff like that. So I get it. Um, so the first question comes from uh, Jane, and she asks, "Has anyone ever taken foot plaster casts?" Yes. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, yeah we cast out there. I've I think more so she's referring, sorry, to the dog oh man. dog man. Well, I mean, right, but how's that going to differ? We don't know. We don't have that information. How is that going to differ to say a yaoi, which has very human looking uh, footprints, but of different proportions, most part. Uh, we don't know. I mean, we don't know what the difference between say if there is a dog man. What's the difference in the feet are? I mean, if the body is the same human proportions as reported with the Yowie, except a lot larger, of course, uh, we don't know the difference other than they have a different head, basically. Yeah, it's it's rather interesting because I guess it all comes down to the the representation of what you've seen uh, for, like, werewolves, essentially, because uh, werewolves, like, they kind of have the that very high heel look to it to them whenever you see them in, in kind of popular culture, but I don't know if the reality of that translates well to a bipedal walking creature. I think a lot of what you see there in in art that you find on the internet, I think a lot of it is based on hogwash. It's just, just creativity. Yeah. 
you know? I mean, just to make this look as scary as possible, but they don't actually look like that. They, yeah, yeah. And, you know, again, I, I still think that they they are mistaken with Bigfoot and Yowie a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't believe that you know, if there is such a creature that it is a man that morphs into a wolf uh, on a full moon. You know, I think that is just Hollywood. That is fiction. That is a, that is a fairy tale. I agree with you on that one. I think the uh, the notion that like werewolves are real is kind of ridiculous. Same with vampires and all that type of stuff. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we have another question from Tracy. Uh, Tracy Marshall. She says, "Dean, do you think the Dogman could be another variety of Yowie or Sasquatch?" Yeah, possibly, but that would have to come down to genus as well. Uh, when I say yeah, it could be related, but that also detract from the whole dog thing. That it has to be some sort of fine line. But if I was if I was going to amuse myself on it, oh, I would probably say more than likely, if there is a correlation, it would have to be um, a mutation, a mutation of Yowie from interbreeding. You know, I was going to say the the same thing because I, I would imagine Yowie populations would be rather small. The world's a melting pot, like you said before. Uh, Australia would be a melting pot with all these different species and perhaps even genus uh, trapped in Australia. And, and that's what they do. That's what they always did. It's scientifically proven that's what they did. Yeah, yeah. But I think the the fact that, like you said, like the that in inbreeding is a, a, entirely a possibility because like I, what, what do you think that, and this very much putting you on the spot but if you had to take a wild guess based on all the reports that you've taken like what would you think the popular the Yowie population in Australia would be oh god I get asked this um, my response typically and generically is there's no shortage of them because they're reported so plentifully and from all over the country and Western Australia, for gosh sakes, you know. I mean, this is the last place you'd expect and in deserts, you know, northern New South Wales. You know, we think that they're confined to the Great Dividing Range and lush rainforests and deep valleys and, and so on, but they're not. It's Broken it's, Hill, Mount Isa. Yeah, I was going to say, I've had reports of Yowies on cattle stations in Mount Isa. Exactly. And it's it doesn't make sense. Like, that is incredibly remote it's incredibly flat but then again you look at humans wild humans won't live there either but they do yeah and they do travel through there might not live there but maybe they're just traveling through yeah maybe maybe on the most part homes home as i always say um where they have their homes they like wander but they generally always come back yeah uh but you know as far as um yeah, as far as where they live and, and so on, yeah, it could be anywhere anywhere in the country. They pop up in the most unusual places and even like semi-suburbia, sort of like on the fringes of human inhabitants and getting into people's backyards. Little uh, bushland corridors, little bushland uh, creeks, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, suburban creeks uh, that are uh, uh, covered by bushland to get from one place to the other. Yeah, wow. It's still little corridors all the way through that yeah. they, they can still traverse without being seen. And like I said in the intro of my last video, 
uh, they get away with a lot because they're in human form in most part. Yeah. And they travel in the desert. It's just a hiker or something. Dead of night. Yeah. You wouldn't think any different. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there's some weirdo walking through the bush. Yeah. Don't go near him. Like, you don't know who that is. Right. Yeah, absolutely. At that distance, yeah. Yep. Uh, we kind of covered, covered this question, but this comes from Jane. Um, she asks, what do the elders say about them? Not much. About the dog, man, nothing. Nothing. No, no. Yeah. Uh, look, you know, the amount of conversations I've had with elders and tribal people uh, from all over the country and different parts of the world too, uh, they'll only talk, they only talk about the hairy man in terms and the reference of what we know is like a hominid yeah yeah absolutely uh and there's obviously there's there's kind of like two variations of it like i haven't ever heard of the of a third variation of like a hominid you know there's the the yowie and the junjity yeah well so the large ones and the small ones but there are variations say um for example and look there are so many because people say more human-like face more ape-like face Massive proportions and muscularity. Uh, this one was a bit spindly, yeah, you know, and all that sort of jazz. Um, so there are sort of variations, but in in all in all, they're they're sort of pointing in the same direction. But this is where I say the different genus that is being tra- that's been trapped here. Yeah, and I'm going to just piggyback this uh, this question here because you you kind of started lending to it. Is um, Maggie asked? Uh, Dean and Cade accounts. Uh, or what do you think accounts for the changes in appearance of these reports? And I don't know if she's like kind of meaning historically. Well, look, um, even in today's reports, you'll still get variations. I mean, look, the, the the main bulk of the reports are all the same. They are, and they all point to the, in the same direction. But you will get variations. It's not just saying in height, uh, like we were just saying before, in appearance as well. And some longer hair than others. Um, and then, you know, I mean, there's, there's other aspects that you that we're still grappling with, and that's like the self-illuminating eyes. And uh, we can understand um, how their eyes can see better than ours in the dark. And with the Neanderthals, for example, apparently they're night vision was exceptional really they, yeah their eyes were so apparently homo sapiens eyes are some of the worst <laughs> in in the whole lineage uh because they had such large eyes they're so sensitive they're sunken right back with these big eye ridges yeah. to protect them from this light um and they had huge cones and rods and also there's a part of the brain right here that's got to do with receiving the messages and signals from the eyes and it's, it's so much larger than, than a human so therefore they, their night vision is great so this, for example when I was chased on the, these other occasions and the one that hit me running through that terrain he should have been tripping over it when just trying to walk this thing was sprinting through yeah right so they're just like potentially uh, how would I say this processing all that information just so much better that, that's it basically that, that's essentially that's what it means and they also like I always say you know, they are so aware of our night blindness. Yeah. Have you ever been camping or out with a group of people at night time and you know, they're all walking around doing the tracks and you just sort of step back into the bush next to a tree, everyone just walks past you, but you're there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How many it's, times do you think that's been happening oh, with these things? Exactly. 
Exactly. So um, to, to kind of take it back to the, the dog man side of things for this question, I think popular culture is a massive, like, I cannot ever, like, over <laughs> explain how much popular culture or just the zeitgeist in general influences people's recollection or understanding of things that they see. Well, you know, two people can say, you can see or witness exactly the same thing, but they process it differently. Now, back onto my, one of my first questions at the beginning of the show, who's yay and who's nay? So put up your, your vote there. Are you pro Dogman being a real thing in Australia or are you against it? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a, we've got, we've got, uh, we've got four minutes. Yeah. So just cast your votes in because it's interesting to us to see what, what the popular, popular consensus is. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we have, we have time for a couple more questions and then, and then we'll quickly, uh, go through. So the last couple of minutes, just put, uh, yay or nay for your, your believe of, uh, I guess your, do you believe in the, in the dog man in Australia? Um, so, and remember, I'm not for I'm not nay or yay, but I, I sort of sway uh, towards the negative a little bit. But with some of the new reports that are coming through, they can't be ignored. So, again, it comes down to documentation, building a case. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of the questions in here we've kind of answered, and they're kind of a double up. So I do just have to quickly go through that one there. Uh, so yeah, we've answered that one. Um, do you think it's possible that stories from Uf- uh, Europeans, I almost said UFOs, <laughs> from Europeans misidentifying animals made it into Aboriginal law? Uh, now, this person wasn't a- actually asking us. They were actually asking this uh, individual by the name of Kit Kat who was watching the live stream. Um, and you don't know this, but she kind of said in the chat that she was a... Um, she's from Aboriginal descent. Said none of this exists in the... Like in the folklore, right? Um, which was interesting because that's like a, a, a another. We were having point. that conversation before, yeah. Yeah, of that, um, but I don't think like European settlement at all could influence uh, like Aboriginal law at all because Aboriginal law has kind of been there for forever. Um, European settlement hasn't been like European influence hasn't been around long enough to kind of influence that, in my opinion. What What was the influence? Uh, misidentifying animals. Oh, yeah. So like Dogman and, and things like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> okay, we 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 do have something here from Shane. Uh, Shane, very good supporter of the show, always chimes in all the time. I think I know Shane. Yeah, uh, he's asked about portals. <laughs> that's, so, that's this whole other show. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, well, we're, we're, um, <laughs> yeah, but no, but um, yeah, maybe? well, I no, uh, no, I don't. Um, but maybe, but, but, but I do get reports of them. Yes, I hear it all the time. Yeah, just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. Now, I don't know. Portals are facts. I, when I told you from witness accounts. Yeah, I know. I know. But but you know, generally, uh, the reports I get. Uh, the, yeah, they're just sort of right down the line, but and it's just like it's just an uncomfortable sort of conversation in a lot of ways. When you, yeah, I don't know, I, I, I sort of I, I battle with it a little bit. Um, we just don't know enough. I think that's what it yeah. comes down to. We don't have the information. You know, the whole UFO influence, of course. You know, Absolutely, this is this is what yeah. you know, I'm frequently asked. 
and I don't have all the answers and really it's assumption in a lot of ways and I don't like to assume I just like to get just just build the cases and work from there well you know they say if you assume you make an ass out of you and me there you go so I uh, I I'm I'm very much the same and I think it's really important for people out there to go it's okay to say like I don't know I'm not educated enough about that to answer that question or have it a there have you a go. valuable opinion. Otherwise, you're doing a disservice, particularly if you're in a position yeah. to you know, where, where people are asking you for advice uh, or, or an informed decision or, or opinion. Um, it is very important, I think. I think it's paramount to say, look, you know, honestly, I don't know. I don't have enough information there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's like what Tony was saying before about, about the dogman. Uh, he was saying pretty much the same thing, that you know, we don't have enough data yet to to form any sort of decision on, on whether it's something. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a really good way to kind of end the, the, the listener questions. I think that's a, a cool way to, to kind of go about it. So one final thing uh, before we, we kind of wrap up here is um, asking people if they, yes they believed in the in the... Uh, in the dog man. There we go. Um, so let's go back here. Just a yes or no. That's all we know. Just a yay or no. Uh, so again, a yay, a yay, a no, 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 yay, yay, uh, no, 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 yes, no. Well, it's 50 50. It's pretty 50 50. I, I like that. I like that. It's balanced. Yeah, yeah because. Um, I, I, I think it shows that these could be potentially misidentifications. Um, some are, I'm some sure. Some are. I, I would have absolutely no doubt about it. Um, it, it also shows that um, it, it, it could just be something else too. Or it could be a genuine dogman. Who, who knows? You know, the person, whoever has the encounter is the... The one who would have more information than than anyone else, um, and I, it always just comes down to their interpretation of it. So, uh, yeah, this was this was really really uh, it's a good show, really fun. Um, someone has asked uh, Dean, "What's the story behind the sunburn, mate?" It's not Dean. It's actually not sunburn. It's the camera. It's the camera. Well, the cameras when they go into the little feed to go onto the internet. I did actually mention that to Kay yeah. prior to the show. Dean actually is like very just normal looking. Because um, <laughs> if I put the camera on me, I'm very red too, and I'm. I'm so white, I'm almost transparent. <laughs> I really had to wear my sunglasses just sitting here. Yeah, like these lights are bouncing back into Dean's face and he's like, he's just, maybe that's what, you actually are sunburnt from the light reflecting off me onto you. I've mentioned this before the, before the show, I mentioned this to Kate. I said, I look sunburnt and that were my words. Yeah, they? absolutely. And yeah. I even tweaked all the cameras. Um, when you see the polished version of this, they'll see the real colours and we will look just like normal people. I just got back from Tahiti. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so to, to anyone who was asking, like, why are these dudes so red? Uh, that is the camera. Embar- just, just embarrassed. Yeah, we're just, we're just shy guys. <laughs> but uh, look, guys, that's, that's pretty much it for tonight. So um, a lot more people are kind of chiming in with no's on the, on the, um, on the dog man. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it, it is, it, it's pretty 50, 50. Um, 
I think that's that's really interesting to to kind of do a show about Dogman in Australia. I'd be interested to see if those opinions are the same. Of like, do you believe the Dogman is stories um, in the US and in Europe and around the rest of the world? Um, but you know, that's that's potentially for another night. So, uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight it's been a fantastic two hours um dean thank you so much for for making the trip up to Cairns. it's always a pleasure to hang out with you um our night's kind of just beginning we'll, we'll go to the after party later i'm gonna get a face tattoo and i have a, a, a tiger a live tiger being put in my room right now yeah yeah well that's the only way that you'll uh you, you can do it when <laughs> when you're in Cairns. but uh thank you so much for um everyone who's joined us tonight um thank you for all the the positive and negative comments it it it, it all helps because it adds all to the this uh, i guess to, to the discussion um because you know, there's two sides to every coin, and um, I, I, I genuinely do love hearing uh, both points of view when it comes to it. It's very important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so thank you to everyone who's uh, joined us tonight. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, guys, if you obviously haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do. It would be a su- supreme help to... to to the podcast. So uh, season 19 will be dropping in two weeks. So if you are interested in that, head on over and subscribe. Obviously, we're doing a lot more video when it comes to the podcast. This is going to be released as a mega episode on the uh, on the on the main feed. So if you like this, uh, you'll hang around, and I'll do a much more polished version, and we'll get this looking really smick uh, because we're fairly limited to what we can do in the in the live stream when we haven't got any producers here or not you've probably noticed i'm over here pressing buttons like a madman throughout the whole lot um and I'm, we'll so, I'm sitting over here looking sunburnt yeah yeah that's it <laughs> but guys thank you so much um be sure to like my page be sure to like the australian yaoi research page head on over and subscribe it has been an absolute pleasure hanging out with you tonight i've been Cade. you've been listening to the believe podcast that's dean harrison and we will see you next time Right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Believe Paranormal and UFO podcast. If you have had an encounter and you would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. Finally, don't forget to follow us on all our social media outlets and be sure to join our Discord server to talk to other listeners of the show. You'll find all these links in our show notes. Thank you.